So back to what we're talking about. Last week we started to deal with why prayer, why we choose prayer. And, and we talked a little bit about how that all started with some 12, 13, whatever number of people, how many there really was at that time that just showed up to, for once to see us preach or whatever took place. And, and from there we began in that little crackdown building and, and, and just uh, it was just a mess. As I had no other way to call it. It was trouble. We started in trouble. They'd went through several pastors, six pastors nearly in six years. It was trouble. Anybody that came in there knew it was trouble. We talked about how there was drug dealers right next door and different things that took place. But trouble, all it did was, was push us to become better at prayer. That's all it did. It just made us have to choose what it was we were going to depend on. And, and in your life, it's the same thing. You're going to have to choose what's going to be the source, what's going to be the direction you're going to point your life. If, if things go bad, does that mean I just get drunk more? Does that mean I just, I just cuss more? Does it mean I quit more? Does it mean you get to choose? You can, you can choose whatever it is you want to choose. It's up to you. I'm just telling you that years ago, we chose prayer. It wasn't the lack of problems. It wasn't the lack of the situations. And people look now and they see us and they think, oh, God blessed y'all. Yes and no. It was a connection between the two, but the two had to run together. And so as we began the process, yes, God blesses. But Lord, I want you to notice why God blesses and how God blesses. So today we're going to deal with the second part of this. Not only did I choose prayer, did we choose prayer because we were frustrated, we needed help, we realized we couldn't do it, but we also chose prayer because we believed with all of our hearts that it was the most powerful thing that is on this earth. That prayer, the power of prayer, choosing the power of prayer, there was nothing we could have chosen that would have been greater. We, we, didn't, we didn't choose to become landlords. We didn't choose to try to come up with some grant money that would help pay our bills. We just chose prayer. And we just chose that God had a, had a plan and a purpose. And if we would pray and seek him and keep moving forward, he had the power to accomplish it. Let me show you some scriptures this morning that just kind of relate this. We'll run through them real quick. Go to James 5 and 16. James 5 and 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It, it avails much. It moves you forward. There's power in prayer. Go to Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ to the power of prayer. Go to John 14, verses 13 and 14. I can to, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. There's a mindset that whatever it is that I'm teaching you or have showed you, whatever it is I'm relating to you, you need to have the ability to do it. Go to John 15 and 7. If, I, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be. What percentage of a chance do you have? 100% chance. It's not, it's not like just hoping or wishing. That's not how he says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Go with me. To Second Chronicles. Here's what it said in 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. There's power in prayer. Mark 11 and 24 says it this way. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will 
There's power in prayer. Go to Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. John 14 and 13. says it this way, John 14 and 13. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified. Notice how, I mean, all through the Bible, this is not a, hey, let's just see what happens. This is if you pray, and if you choose to pray, then there is a 100% chance God says, I will answer. It will change the course. If a righteous man will pray, it avails much. Let me show it to you in more plays. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks does what? Think about it. Everything you're trying in life. Every medication you're trying, every doctor you keep seeing, every type of person you keep asking on Facebook for good advice, everything you keep turning to, and God stands there on the threshold and says, I promise you 100%, if you will seek me, I will answer you. If you will come after me, you will find me. If you knock for me, I will open it for you. Now let me jump into the main thoughts of what I want to go. Go with me to Romans. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. It's our main scriptures. Here's what it says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Remember I said it begins with trouble. You can't have good prayer life unless you got good trouble. It just works hand in hand. I got a lot of good trouble. So I have a really good prayer life. If I ain't got enough of my own, I got other people's. It creates a great prayer life. Nothing wrong with that. There's not, nothing I want to avoid in that. It's just the understanding that the two have to work hand in hand. If you say, brother, Lord, I got all kinds of issues, good. Then you ought to have a tremendous prayer life. Because if there's a God who's saying, I promise that I'm going to answer you. I promise I'm going to come through for you. I promise I won't fail you. I promise if you knock, I'll open the door. I promise if you seek, you'll find me. I promise if you ask, I'll give. I promise if there's a God that's that motivated and cares that much for your trouble and your life and your situation, then and he has such power that he promises that I can handle it, I will take care of it, then what's stopping us from seeking the Lord? He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You ever hear people say, I'm just not good at prayer? Good. Look at the person beside you and say, good. You're a candidate. Two things you got to have. You got to have weakness. And you got to say to yourself, I don't know what I need to pray for. That's usually the excuse you use for not praying. But Paul says, listen to me, it's the greatest excuse for praying. I'm too weak. I don't know. Good. You're a candidate for prayer. Real lot, I don't know how to, I'm not good at prayer. Good, you are a prime candidate for prayer. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know uh, should, how we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be, in other words, he reaches into the deep parts of our life. So when you look back at all seasons, I want to explain to you what took place. It was not just the fact that people, quote, prayed. It was the fact that they prayed under the power of the Holy Spirit. That 10 years before we got here, we're 27, so let's say 37 to 40 years before, people began to pray. 
and seek the Lord. God gave them a vision. God said, this church is going to grow. God had given them a vision in their prayer time that, hey, don't you worry. This thing's going to work out. Don't you worry. And they kept hoping and waiting and, 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 and looking, wouldn't give up. In fact, by the time I got here, there were certain people that were so old and, and so to the point of death, they couldn't even come physically to the church anymore. And I would go to get their tithe, their offering, because that's what they, they said, look, you got to come by every month and come see me because they were just, just older people on a set check. And I would think, look, I don't want your money. I'm not here to get your money. I'm working, paying myself to preach. I don't need your money. And, and they were like, no, no, pastor. And when I would go over there to a T, they would always say, look, we've been praying for years that God would finally break. We believe that God's going to send somebody. We believe that this is going to happen. We believe. And I used to think to myself, I, I didn't, I didn't, God didn't answer my prayer. God answered their prayer. God had already set it all up. While I was 15, 16, 17 years old, God was saying, you don't know it yet, but I'm already choosing you to do something for prayers that other people are praying in a town that you don't even know. I'm already answering prayer. I'm already starting to set the stage. You don't even know where you're going to be in 10 years, Tim, but I do. When God was pulling me out of Birmingham, he said, you got to get to fall. I've already got to answer their prayer when God was straightening up my life. He says, I got to get you right. You got to get to forest one day. Do you understand the power of prayer? God is moving all the time answering prayer. Wow. <laughs> From prayer walks we did in the cities. I remember even when we built the building and, and people were praying one of our ladies, and I've told this story several times, how she had had a, a vision of it being full and, and people coming into the little building over there. And, and she said, I saw all these different color lights. And she said, I didn't see myself. She said, but I'm sure I was there. She didn't know it, but a short time later, she would be killed in a break-in. She saw it right. She saw all the light. She just didn't see herself. All in prayer. Prayer is what gives you your vision. Prayer is what gives you your power to be able. And it happens not through flesh and blood. It doesn't happen through your own strength. Listen to what it says. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the what? God says, when you begin to pray, the reason I pour out that power. Remember, remember the other scriptures we showed? I don't want to go back to all of them. But it says, if you are in my will, if you seek my will, if you are, are in my, then ask whatever you will. They go hand in hand. Here's the way it works. The more I pray the more the Spirit moves in. And the more the Spirit moves in, the more He reveals God's will for my life. And the more He reveals the will for my life, the more I need the Spirit's power to accomplish it. And this is the cycle that I'm always living in. Now, if you just do normal prayer, you'll spend most of your life just asking, I don't know what God, I'm just not sure what God wants with me. That's because you're praying in your own self. But if you begin to pray and allow the Spirit to fill, then what happens is you begin to be opened up to the will of God. Now you begin to ask because, God, if I'm going to get here, I need this help. I need this. See, when we got to all seasons, what took place was God in prayer began to show me. He gave me a picture in my mind of, of, of where we were supposed to be in five years. We were supposed to move and be in a different place and all this. And then all of a sudden, there's only one problem. I don't I have no way to get there. So in my spirit, as I'm praying, God's putting this in there. And I mean, I preached the whole five years, guys. Just constantly preaching. We're headed there. When we bought the land, we're headed there. We put a sign up in the front yard. It rotted down. We, we're going. We're going to get there. We're just going to keep preaching. We're going to keep speaking. I remember we started having some, some uh, you know, internal confusion. And I remember the sermon I preached. And, and, and exact words I said, it was just in my spirit. He said, it, it, he said go ahead and tell them. I said, guys, some of y'all won't be here with us. Some of you aren't going to make it. Some of you won't be there when we go. And you can just see people like, oh, what are you talking about? What was it? 
And shortly after that, it was amazing how some people was like, no, we're happy where we are. See, the more you get in prayer, the more you get a vision for your life. And the more you get a vision for your life, the more weakness, the more you realize I can't do it. And the more you realize you can't do it, the more you realize you need the Spirit's power to accomplish it. Let me see if I can show it to you. Go with me to Zechariah, Zechariah 4, 6 through 9. Zechariah 4, 6 through 9. Zechariah was a prophet during a very odd time of Israel's story. Israel, anybody heard of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Okay. This is the, the first part of this story. And so in, in this time, this is when basically Israel, the whole country, all the main parts have been rushed and pushed off their land. There's nothing left, and, and wild beasts are roaming and taking care. of. It's just become a, a, a wasteland. And during that time of 70 years, Daniel and others are in, in bondage in Babylon. And at the end of 70 years, Daniel will never get to go home, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never got to go home, and none of them. But there was a remnant of nearly over 42,000 of the first migration that left Babylon, that left, that went to Israel. If I had time, we'd talk about some of those who stayed we know the story of Ruth. That's the remnant that stayed. Not everybody went back. Some stayed in Babylon and were threatened at different times of death and being killed. But there was a remnant that went back, 42,000. And Zechariah is trying to write what he's seeing from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the captain or the, basically the governor who has been put over the province. He is the Jewish leader of the people that's of this 42,000 that is going back, and here they go. Now, you've got to understand, when they left, they had Solomon's temple. Can you imagine what it looked like when they left? When they left, there was Solomon's temple. When they left, there was the places where David had built. There were these cities and walls and there was all of this. And when Babylon came in, they melted everything down. They tore, they burnt the stones. They, they tore everything to pieces. There was nothing left. They took anything of any value. They totally rubbished the whole place. And can you imagine those 42,000 people coming back to their homeland and ready to rebuild and walking up on that? In fact, we get a taste of it, if I had time, we would go to the story of Nehemiah. Who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was someone that came later and helped rebuild the walls and had to bring lumber and things to build it because there was nothing left to build it with. All this ties in because, why? Because there's a group of people and this group of people have no possible way of rebuilding what they once saw. In fact, they get so discouraged that they actually say, what we're building looks like a tent compared to what used to be. What we're building looks like just, a, just nothing. It's too small. It's, not, it's, not, it's insignificant. There's no reason of even doing it. Now, under that, understand what God is fixing to tell Zerubbabel through Zechariah. Here's what he says. So he answered, meaning the angel of the Lord said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by power, not by might, nor by power, but by my See, when you choose prayer and you choose the power of prayer, you're not just choosing some, some God that's just way out there. What you're choosing is, is you're choosing that the Spirit of God will come in and habitate everything that you have in your spirit to accomplish. 
If you say, I, I want to go free from, from some bondage that is in my life, do you understand how that's going to happen? It's going to happen because the Spirit is going to move in and it's going to push out what doesn't belong. Brother Lot, I, 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 want, I want my life to change. Then the Spirit has to come in and the Spirit has to push out what doesn't belong. Jesus described it this way when he was teaching. He said, how in the world can someone take over a house? How in the world can anyone take over a house unless first someone who's stronger comes into the house and binds the strong man? And when he binds the strong man, then he's taken possession of the house. That's why later you would hear the scripture that says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because what has to happen in your life is not something that's just like, well, I've got to pray. No, 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 no. I, I just need to do better. No, 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 no. What you need to do is you need to be full of the Spirit of God. You need to get comfortable at being full of the Spirit of God. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. When we're praying, when we're raising hands, when we're gathering together, when we're doing this back years ago, that's why we met on Monday nights and prayed. Why? Because it wasn't going to just change the atmosphere. It wasn't just going to change. What it was doing was changing us from the inside out to where we all of a sudden had power to be able to face whatever was coming against us that allowed us to keep moving forward through every situation and every circumstance and every trial and everything that would try to discourage us and everything that tried to tell us to stop. We just kept moving by the power of the Spirit to get to that destiny that God had called us to. So he answered and said to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Think about that. Who are you? Think about your problem. What is it compared to God? What is it compared to the power of God? What is it? it? The Holy Spirit is so powerful that the Bible says that in the beginning, God said, let there be light. He spoke. And you know what the Bible says next? And the Spirit moved. That's how powerful the Spirit is. When God speaks, the Spirit says, I'll accomplish it. When God speaks over your life, when God speaks over your destiny, the Spirit is crying out, I will accomplish it. I, if they will let me, if they will let me, I will accomplish it. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become as a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. How am I going to finally know in my flesh, well, after everything in your spirit has come to pass? Let me tell you, when I finally finally believed that God would do it when he did it. I know people say, oh, I just believe God, I believe God. You know where that's coming from? Their spirit. But you may tell you when they're really going to know it is when they see it. That's when your flesh and your spirit finally get connected and say, I guess it happened. Let's say it this way. Let's say you're praying for someone you love. Let's say this morning you're praying for someone you love. Now, it has to first begin in your spirit. Because in your flesh, you don't see it yet. So let's say in my spirit, it's like, I just believe. I just believe. I, I claim it. I declare it. I'm just praying. I just speak it. I've already got the picture of them nailed on the wall. I've got, I'm telling you, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But now, when do you really believe it? The day they walk in the door. The day they walk in the door and you start crying. Now you didn't cry like this when, when you were believing it. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't cry like this when you were, you know, oh, uh, it's going to happen. 
But when they walked in the door, you just... Because at that moment, your spirit connected with your flesh, and you know. And here's what, that's what he says. He says, Zerubbabel will know it, and everyone will know it when it happens. But now here's the thing. It's not going to happen, but by my spirit. And you're going to have to hold on in my spirit, and you're going to have to hold on not seeing it, and you're going to have to hold on just believing it until you get it. That's what prayer does. Prayer is every day me speaking, believing what God is going to do, Him filling me with His Spirit, His Spirit filling me with my destiny, and we keep walking along until one day I open my eyes and I can see it. And then it's not faith no more. It's not hope anymore. Then it's realized. Okay, so let me show it to you in another way, in a story form. Go with me to Mark. Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 14. Let me see if I can show this to you in a story form. How the power of prayer works. And when he had come to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes disputing with them. And immediately when when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him, And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation. Remember now. I told you, prayer and faith have to go what? Hand in hand. You can't have faith without prayer, and you cannot have prayer without... The two grow simultaneously side by side. Somebody says, I wish I had more faith. Well, you better have more prayer. Well, I wish I was better at praying, and you better have more faith. The two go hand in hand every day of your life. I choose to pray because I have faith. I have faith because I chose to pray. And he looks at his disciples, he says, oh, how long am I going to have to deal with this faithless generation? Which means also that he's dealing with what kind of generation? A generation that doesn't pray. This now answers, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell to the ground and wallowing, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has he been, as it's been happening? And he said, from childhood. And often it has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said in tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, and he entered in him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, And he became as one dead, so that many began to say, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? What's the problem? Why could we not solve the problem? This is what Jesus said. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Do do you ever many times in your life just feel defeated because it seems like you just can't turn the corner and you just can't quite, I mean, whether it's your marriage, your work, your, your life, your... It just seems like the harder I try, the more I keep beating my head against the wall. Do I ever feel like that? 
If you do, it's normal. It's called life. There are seasons where things just don't seem like they're open right now. There are seasons where it don't seem like anything's working right now. There are seasons where it just feels like, man, I just I can't get through this. I just can't. It just seems to go from bad to worse. You ever wonder what the secret to it is? You ever wonder what the secret to a victorious Christian life in the middle of all of this? In the world that we live in now that is becoming so so chaotic every single day. We thrive on chaos. We live for chaos. We watch chaos on Facebook. We watch every little post and everything that comes up. We try to catch everything that creates that much more chaos. So-and-so said this, and they did this, and this happened over here, and that happened over there, and it's just chaos everywhere. And we live in a world to where how do we deal with this problem? Let me give you the three things you can't do. Number one, you can't argue your way through it. For some of you that love to argue, you love to post stuff. You love to try to find out that final say. You're going to solve it all with your few words. Let me go ahead and solve this for you. It won't happen. There are problems in the world that arguing won't fix. Go with me to verse 14. In verse 16, let me show you what I'm talking about. In the middle of a problem, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes doing what? Arguing. Why can't you do anything? I thought you were supposed to be able to do something. Why did this happen? I thought you all were supposed to be able to pray for people. I didn't know Christians acted like that. Every type of thing that could be disputed, every time. You ever get around people and as soon as you just try to have a normal conversation, they got to throw some junk in there. It's just like, well, I've always wondered, preacher, why about, I'm thinking, oh, come, here come the dipstick. Because here's all they're wanting. They're just wanting to stop by arguing. Because even if I was to give you the correct answer, you don't want an answer. You just want to argue. You just, you just want to find some reason to fuss, something that's different. It's bad enough in the world. I mean, think about it. You can put three different denominational preachers in the same room, and they'll argue. And they all serve the same God in the same family. We live in a world to where we think that if we argue, go to verse 16. Here's what it says. And he asked his disciples, what are you discussing with them? I love that. And he asked the scribes, what is it that you're discussing? What's the problem? This boy. Then what are y'all talking about? Isn't it amazing how you go from the issue to what we're talking about? I always tell people, usually when you have an argument, it's never about the real thing, is it? It's usually not about the real thing. You can be having a bad day, all the stuff in the world happening, everything going on. I can walk in the house and Elise gets on to me about my shoes. And we go sideways. It ain't because of the shoes. That's usually not the problem, is it? It's not being able to deal with the problem or fix the problem or solve the problem at the moment. It's that next thing that somebody brings up. It's like, oh, that, I'm telling you what, I've had about all of that I'm going to take. And what happens here is, is when you have a group of people that can't solve the problem, then what they begin to do is argue and fuss and discuss. It happens all the time in our day and age now. How many times have you ever been in a room with your family and you just get into this discussion about Congress, the president, the Everything going on, Afghanistan, the price of gas and water and, and how the world's gone crazy. And, and, and everybody in the room just finally just looked at each other and said, you know what, let's just stop right now. Let's all just kneel down right where we are in this room and let's just all pray. When's the last time that happened to y'all? It ain't. It ain't. We don't do it, do we? 
We just fuss and argue and talk until finally we all walk out of the room and like, well, I told them. I hope they had sense enough to listen. Isn't that what we do? Because we think that in much arguing, much fussing, telling somebody off, setting them straight. When's the last time you just had a group of people say, you know what, guys? Let's just all just gather around. Let's just pray. You have a lot of people leave the room then. It's amazing to me. Being a pastor, I see it all the time. I can go into a hospital room. Somebody will say, I need you to go pray with so-and-so there at the hospital. And, and sometimes they don't even come to our church. Sometimes they're just someone that I know through someone. Or, and here I walk in, and here's all these people crying, all these people talking, fussing. I walk into the room, and, man, there's all kind of conversations going on, and I'll stand there for a few minutes and hear all about this and that, and, and you know, preacher, what do you think about this? And, and then I'll usually just kind of like just kind of, deflect it all off and finally I'm like you know why I came here I came here to pray for you so you can get better you ready to go home yeah well that's what we're gonna do we're gonna get you home and I said we just gonna we just if everybody will we're just gonna pray it's 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 I could just about tell you that at least two or three of them are gonna look at well I'm gonna go down to the snack bar uh, I need to get the kids I, I mean get the kids out of here while we're you know why? Because they ain't got no problem sitting there for 12 hours straight fussing. But the moment you say, let's pray. Any of y'all got family like that? I know you're not. I'm just saying you got family like that. You got people, you tell them all the time, let's just pray. And they're like, no, 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 let's just go get something to eat. Oh, that ain't that important. Let's just not talk about it anymore. No, let's pray. Because see, the first thing that we think is, is that, is that if we fuss about it, argue about it, we will f- come up with a solution. Because it's, our, it's a force of habit to us. It's natural for us to fuss. That's how we get what we wanted through life. That's how we get our kids to do what we want them to do. We just think if we fuss enough and we complain enough and we stick our lip out enough that somebody will finally do what we want them to do. frustrating but arguing will never never work well maybe brother lot if we just bring the right people in because that's what we need you know we live in a world where if you just got a degree in this or phd in this and then you know you're smart enough to solve the problems for us isn't that what we do from dr fauci to different people we try to find somebody smart enough to you're supposed to be able to fix it I get calls like that all the time. We don't want to pray. We don't want, hey, call Pastor Lot. Pastor Lot, I need you to talk to my daughter. Well, you talk to your daughter. She won't talk to me. Well, why do you think she, well, Pastor Lot, that's what you, because we think that because you have a title, that that all of a sudden gives you the ability. Go with me to verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who was, has a mute spirit. Go to verse 18. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, who foams and gnashes his teeth. So I spoke to your... See, this guy, when he came, had a mindset that if I just can get him to the right person... If I can just get them to the right, because Jesus is a good teacher and he's got some good disciples, and if I can just get them to them, then they can fix it for me. Anybody ever get in trouble and go to somebody with a title? If you get to coughing, what is the first, time, first thing somebody tells you? You need to go see a doctor. You need somebody with a title. If somebody steals your lawnmower, what do you need? You need a lawyer. If your car ain't running right, you need a... 
Because really what we need in life is just people that will just do what, and we get upset, don't we? Because we paid somebody to do what they were supposed to be the one that knows how to. And how many of you ever walk out of a doctor's office upset? My wife and, and, and daughter here lately are, are walking through this stuff and different things going on, and, and they went to a doctor. I knew what the doctor was going to tell them. Could have took me out for $50, and it would have just saved them a whole lot of time. Instead, I wrote a check. Took him out for $50. It's not saying there's not problems. It's not saying there's not But what we think in our mind is we'll just go to the person with the title, and that'll fix it. Right? Whatever problem you got in your life, you find the person who has the right title. What if the person with the title can't fix it? What if they don't have the power to fix it? What if the doctor looks at you and says, we can't cure COVID? <gasps> we don't have a cure. We got a vaccine. And we'll give you some booster shots every year, but we don't really have a cure. Really? What if the mechanic says, look, I'm a good mechanic, but this car is old and wore out, and I can't, I can't promise you. I mean, I'm going to charge you 200 something dollars, and I got you going again, but I can't promise you that next week you won't be back. What? You're supposed to fix it. Imagine this man who thought in his mind, if I can just find the right title, how many of you think, if I can just talk to Pastor Lot, I'm telling you what, I'd, he'll know what to do. And there's nothing wrong with that talking to a doctor. Nothing wrong with seeing a mechanic. Nothing wrong with having a lawyer from time to time to have to get you out of something that somebody's done drug you into. I understand. But what I'm telling you is, when we put our hope in those things, where we're headed for is disappointment. And this man who had brought his son and did all this ended up disappointed. Number three, the third thing that you don't want to turn to is that you think that through effort, through effort, I'll fix it. Go in your Bibles to verse 28. I love this question by the disciples. This is a wonderful question. Listen to what they said. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not... Different interpretations, different parties. One of it says, why couldn't we drive it out? Can you imagine how hard them folks prayed? Man, everything they ever seen Jesus do ever before, they tried it. I promise you. You got a crowd of people standing around watching you. You got people standing around like, did it work? No, they've they been, they been praying, but it ain't worked. They couldn't cast it out. Because they weren't praying for him. They were trying to do what Jesus had done. And Jesus, on times, would just, he just, I've seen him. He just lay his hand on a leper and it just go away. That's what we need to do. Okay, let's try it. Hmm. We can't drive it out. Now, how did Jesus use those words? In the name of the Father. Let's try that. Let's try that. Can you imagine how frustrated everybody was? About, and now you got the scribes like, what's wrong with y'all? It ain't working. It ain't working. And they thought within themselves, if I just try harder, I can quit this addiction. If I just try harder, I can make our marriage work. If I just try harder, I can make this job. Look at the person beside you and ask them, have you ever just tried harder? You ever just try harder? People tell you, they just need to try harder. Sometimes I, I, I get into trouble because even with, with my daughter here the last few days, she's been kind of miffed at me. It's good, it's just part of life. There's nothing wrong with that because we talked about 
doctor had told her to do certain things and nobody seemed to take it. And, and there's no denying, she, through COVID, just her breathing, it had affected her breathing. No doubt, no, no, no argument. How do you deal with it? You're, you're supposed to fix it. You can't fix it. You're supposed to... You got a title. You got, well, we just need to try harder. Isn't that a frustrating thing when somebody tells you that? But what's wrong with you? You just need to try harder. Oh. And I've been trying and trying and trying. Some of you in this room, you've wore yourself out trying. Some of you have just tried everything you know and read articles all the time trying to find something new to try. There's nothing wrong with trying. There's nothing wrong with finding someone with a title. There's nothing wrong with speaking the truth. Don't argue, but sometimes you just speak the truth. Let me tell you what the real problem is. The real problem is, is that because of your prayer, you don't have enough faith. And because you don't have enough faith, you ain't got enough prayer. And without the two, there's certain things in your life you cannot overcome. There's certain things in your life you can't just wheel yourself through. The tank is empty. The strength is gone. I've burned up all the ideas I have. I mean, years ago, this was so much simpler to preach because people grew up understanding what I'm saying. You just need to pray. I don't want to pray. I'm telling you, the only answer to your problem is you need to pray through what's that going to do I don't know it's going to bring the answer though and more than anything else it's going to calm you and settle you and put you in the right frame of mind as you go through the problem until you get to the end yes five years before we built it God put that in our heart and said hey we're going to do this and we started praying but I'm going to tell you what prayer did prayer didn't make it happen in two years prayer didn't make it happen in three years it still took all five years and when we got there we still wasn't finished with it we still only had half a building done and we still was in mud and we still but you know what what I understood was prayer was not changing everything in every moment of every instance but what it was doing was it was changing me it was conditioning me and settling me for the journey that God had. And through the Spirit, I knew that at times, God, I need to be refilled. Why? Because every time you're filling me, it gives me strength to move closer to my destiny. Some of you in this room, the problem is not that you don't come to church. It's not that you're not even good people. It's the fact that unless you learn to be filling yourself in prayer unless you learn to allow the spirit from time to time to refill you you're going to run out of you and we see it all the time and we'd like to just think well it's just church people it's just no 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 we're seeing it now in pastors and leaders Oh, they've got so much to do and they've got so many places to be and they've got so many sermons to preach and they've got they've gotten so busy that they don't realize that they're just doing it in their own strength. Stand with me. I want to read one more scripture. can't argue with you. Titles won't fix it. You can't just force your way, self-will your way, drive your way to the finish line.
I'm going to sum it up in one easy sentence. For you that are in this room, that are in a battle, that are in a dry place, for you that are discouraged, worn out, frustrated, You cannot do supernatural warfare without supernatural power. I know that sounds so simplistic, but we turn to every other thing. We'll figure it out. It'll work out. Do you realize you have an enemy that's determined to make sure it doesn't work out? He's on the job 24-7 to make sure one thing in your life, it don't work out. He has a simple agenda. Anything he can kill, anything he can steal, and anything he can destroy, that's what he wants to do. Anything in your life that he can kill it, steal it, or destroy it. That's what he wants to do. And he operates in a supernatural realm. And unless you operate from that realm, he'll win. One scripture I want to show it to you. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 4. For though we walk in the flesh, We do not war after the... I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm I'm just telling you. Your battle today is not your problems on the outside. The problems on the inside are what's killing you. God's big enough, strong enough to handle any of your outside problems. But none of it will happen until until you allow Him on the inside. He's got to have control of that. Verse 4. For the weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not arguing. They're not trying to find somebody who's got a PhD in it. They're not just simply physically saying, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to push harder. None of it will work. Because you're not fighting that battle. We understood 27 years ago that we were not fighting a physical battle. It was not a physical battle to get the church from there to over here. It was not a geographical problem. It was a spiritual problem. There were principalities and powers that said, we don't want to lose nobody. Some of you in this room today weren't there then. But God knew you just like He knew me when I was 17. He said, I'm going to take you to forest one day. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And He goes on to talk about what those strongholds are. Every thought, every imagination, everything that rises against the will and the authority and the knowledge of God. Today, our church and every church in America needs one thing more than it needs anything else. It needs to realize first that we can't fix it. I don't have a denomination that can fix it. I don't have a degree that can fix it. My little plaque that hangs on the wall says... I can't fix it. My battle today is not physical. And every church in America needs to realize that, number one, we can't. We're in trouble. We're in trouble in our families. We're in trouble in our marriages. We're in trouble with our lives. We're in trouble. Just our normal everyday, we stay so stressed out, just trying to find happiness, just trying to find peace, just trying 
And he begins, as we said last week, I can't. I'm in trouble. But the second thing that has to happen is what we learn today. Is that there is one who is strong enough and powerful enough. And if we would decide that he has enough power to handle what's going on in our life, then we would pray to him. We would call out to him. We would run to him. We would say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. I can't make it unless you help me. But I come to you not because I'm just begging. I come to you because you are the true answer. Why couldn't we push it out? Because some things will only happen by prayer and fasting. Some things will only happen because you decide that, God, you're my answer. And I'm going to keep pushing and pressing. I'm going to keep knocking until the door opens. I'm going to keep asking until the answer comes. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop seeking until I find you. Because you're the answer. This morning, I know one thing for sure after all these years that I still serve the one who is the most powerful one, who is the one that can handle every battle, that can handle every situation. I serve the one who has enough power to solve my next problem. If you're in this room today, with every head bowed, you say, Pastor, this is hard. Yes, it is. I struggle here. It's okay. Remember I said it takes a couple things. First, you got to be weak. And then you got to not be able to know. You can't be strong. Jesus looked at that man that day whose son was in convulsions. And the man said, would you help me? Please help me. Jesus looked at him and he said, do you believe? Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe I can? If you're standing here today, do you believe I can get you through high school? Do you believe I can find you a mate one day? Do you believe that I got your future and it's good? Do you believe that I can handle your marriage? Do you believe that I can I can work on that husband or that wife? Do, do you believe? And he gave such an honest answer. He said, I believe. But please help my unbelief. I believe. But please help me where I'm weak. If you're here today, you're a candidate for the next miracle. Because all things are possible to those who can believe. That releases the power of God. If you say, Brother Lot, I believe, but I still struggle, that's okay. The question is, do you believe enough to run to Him? Do you believe enough to seek Him? Do you believe enough to know that He's powerful enough to handle this? Ask anything in my name and it shall be given to you. If you'll seek my will, you can ask anything and I will do it. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I need the power of God working on the things in my life more than I need anything else. He's the answer. And I want to open these altars. I want you to have a chance. I want you just to decide that prayer is the most powerful thing I can do. Maybe there's someone that you're praying for right now and you just step out and say, I'm going to declare that prayer is the most powerful thing I can do. There's something you want to see. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's me. Then will you choose prayer? Will you choose right now to step out and say, I will pray. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, the only person that can decide that their trouble is your trouble, the only person that can decide that you're the one strong enough, the only one that can decide that I will run to you, I will seek and I will knock on you, is the people standing here right now. 
You've given them every promise. You've given them every assurance. The Father, arguing won't fix it. Trying harder if they walk out of here saying, we'll just try harder. Won't fix it. We'll find a specialist. They can't fix it. There's only one God who reigns. There's only one God who can. Run to you in prayer, then it is for sure you have the power to do it. Father, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.